Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big. We go all night. And here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. Uh, a lot to get into on a Tuesday, uh, so let's head out to the Circus Sports Guest Hotline right now, and joining us is... Fredo Cervantes from the Sporting Tribune. Fredo, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing amazing. How are you doing today, sir? We are doing well. Um, listen, a lot to get into. I, I do want to get into the story about the USC Trojans. Uh, you know, um, listen, as a USC alum myself, I-, I think this is one of those seasons where I've never really felt good about a win. And and so when you blow out a team like, you know, San Jose State or someone like that at the beginning of the season, like you're supposed to do that. Like every win that they've had this season – you look at Colorado where like that, that, that could have potentially been a feel good win where you, where you do what you're supposed to do, but they win by a touchdown in Tempe against the Sun Devils. Didn't look that great again. Get, get blown out by Notre Dame. And then really the, the loss that really sticks with me and where I, I, I feel their uh, season's going to get, um, going to go in the wrong direction is a loss to Utah where, you know you have to get up for that game. I mean, Utah is a team that beat them last year, only regular season loss last year. That, again, beat them in the Pac-12 championship game, prevented them from going to the college football playoffs. So this was a game that they circled on their calendar. And, Fredo, it was a game that they didn't look good throughout. They found a way to take the lead late. And even then, I'm watching that thinking, man, you know what's going to happen? I bet you this team is going to go down, and they are going to kick a field goal to win it. And that's exactly what they did. Fredo, let's first talk about that Utah game. What what went wrong for USC? I mean... (laughs) Over the last three games, uh, the offense has just kind of taken a step back, a, a, a humongous step back. For some reason, not sure why, ha- it's been very slow to start. I mean, you know, Coach Riley talked about possibly it being him not preparing his team good enough. Um, 
to play the, in these big games, of course, ever since that, uh, right after Colorado, they, they went on to go ahead and, and they struggled against Arizona, which was a school that they, they, they were a 32 point favorite. If I, if I was yeah. correct, they were a 32 point favorite coming into that game. And it, they seemed like, okay, they're going to go ahead and get this W and go on into the bye week and go ahead and, you know, get prepared for the second part of the season, which is the toughest part for them. But, for them to struggle and give up 41 points against Arizona and the way they struggled to start off because Arizona was up on them 17-0 at that point. So something went on there. They go into Notre Dame. They have another struggle to get the offense really going. Um, I mean, once they really got going in Notre Dame, they were kind of out of the game at that point. Then the Utah game again. Um, even though in the Utah game, they were able to go ahead and put up some points early in the first quarter, which was uh, very exciting for that offense because because when you look at the Utah defense, the Utah defense is second ranked in the country right now. They were only allowing 12 points per game. And for them to allow 32 points to a USC team, of course, yes, USC still has a high power offense that they kind of started off with that kind of took a step back. But I mean, when you look at the decision making, there was a lot of critical calls that yes whether you can go towards the flags um being called and you know solomon bird i i, I feel bad for that man for though he it was not an intentional hit but for him to you know get so emotional after the game uh realizing what just happened for him being uh ejected out of the ball game late in the, in the fourth quarter um but th that goes at the end of the day, it, it goes to some critical decisions that maybe Caleb made. There was a lot of throws that he missed. There was plenty of opportunities. I mean, from my point of view, being up in the sky in a way, I you, there was multiple defenders at times open. And you can see where the defense has been troubling. The pressure, I mean, for him getting hit and hit, it, it's, a, it's a matter of getting rid of the ball and preparing a little better moving into these big games. What is your concern level uh, for this team the rest of the way? Again, you know, a, a very winnable game, obviously. It's sort of like the last, quote-unquote, winnable game. But uh, as you mentioned against U of A, you know, being a 30-some-odd uh, point uh, favorite, that was a tight game. But again, they go on the road, they play Cal. Following that, another critical stretch where they uh, play Washington at home at the Coliseum, go up to Eugene to play the Ducks. And then I come back home to play UCLA to close out the season. I mean, I, what is the best case scenario for this team right now? I mean, looking at these upcoming four games are, of course, that Washington game here at USC in two weeks from now. That is going to be a very critical game because let's say that they go on to Cal and they defeat Cal by maybe 20 points. Um, then they go and defeat Washington, a, a very high power team here in, in this conference. And then you go into Oregon and you maybe beat Oregon. Well, maybe there is some hope that USC might still have an opportunity to make some some noise because Lincoln Riley talked about it after the postgame as he was the only person uh, um, allowed to talk to us after <laughs> Saturday's night's loss. And he mentioned, he's like, look, we're not out of the picture yet. He's like, yes, no one has really, no, to get, no team loss has ever made it and gone on to win a, a national championship. He's like, but... There's still hope in this team. He's like, I believe this team is not going to give up. For some reason, Lincoln Riley normally speaks um, during the Trojans live show on Monday nights. And he was a no-show um, yesterday as well. Kayla Williams normally hosts his podcast on Sunday nights. 
He did not show up on that show. Um, and before no players to be allowed after uh, Saturday's loss and not be able to talk to the media about it. Of course, that is one thing that USC kind of praises. They they want to teach their kids to go and, you know, get you know, get that experience about, you know, losing tough games and winning great games and being able to talk, you know, to the media, because that is a very important aspect when you move to that professional level. But, you know, it, it is going to be a tough ride, but I could really see this team after losing two tough ones. I thought maybe after losing one tough one, yeah. they were going to turn it around. But maybe after losing two, they definitely have an opportunity to really turn some things around. You know, the problem, Fredo, is that they, they, they've not shown me one time this season that they have that ability to do that. So as much as I, I'm, I'm hoping for that uh, flip of the switch and that all of a sudden that's the uh, turnaround. Again, not one time this season have I felt that this was a, a playoff team. Now, listen, go, go, going into the season, they were a top five team. Uh, um, I personally had them, you know, if they kind of built off of what they did during the regular season the previous year, you know, you know, thought that they could have been a, a playoff team. I mean, you have to really realize, uh, folks, you know, wh where this team was a year ago. Again, they only had one regular season loss, and that one regular season loss was at Utah, so it was on the road, very hostile environment in Utah. USC had the lead in the final seconds and gave up a touchdown later. I mean, that was a 50-50 game, some bad calls down the stretch. So, like, even that one loss against a top uh, 25 team, um, you know, you could have said, hey, listen, I, it, it could have gone both ways. Um, and then following that regular season where they are one of the top four teams in the country and had really a, a, the ability to move into maybe the top three or two, um, they, they lose to Utah in the Pac-12 championship game. And then again, like the entire team decided to say, hey, let, listen, let's go to the Cotton Bowl. Let's win that game and kind of have some momentum going into next year. Not only do they lose to Tulane in the Cotton Bowl, uh, you know, blowing um, I'm trying to remember, like, you know, a 13 point lead with like two minutes to go or something crazy like that. So, following the regular season, at no point have I felt that this team had looked like a championship team. So, as much as I want them, um, to be Washington at the Coliseum, as much as I'd like for them to go to Eugene and win that game, um, the confidence is not there. I still hope that they have some pride when they come home. Uh, you know, but that being said, the way that they performed against U of A, the way that they performed against Utah, and again, Utah is a different situation. That's a top 25 team. That being said, that team smacked you upside the head twice. And that was your performance. Like, like you didn't like, like, I really thought like maybe just maybe this going against Utah could be the game where like they win by a couple of touchdowns. Not that they're that much better than Utah, but when you've circled the game on your calendar for a calendar year, like you've been looking at that game, like that team prevented you from having a perfect season. That team prevented you from going to the college football playoff. That team prevented you from doing all the things that you wanted to do. And once again, they come into your house and beat you like that and celebrate on your floor. Um, your field is terrible. Fredo, I've been surprised by the number of people who don't care that players don't talk following games. And here's why it does matter. I mean, let's forget for a moment, even though I think it's a big deal that these kids are learning how to uh, treat adversity on Sunday. So listen, when Caleb Williams has a tough game, throws three picks and loses, you know what? You have to address the media. By the way, they did address the media in South Bend. So I, I don't know why 
all of a sudden, you know, now it's like no one's going to talk to the media. To your point, no one did their, uh, you know, shows on Monday. Your thoughts on that? And take me into the uh, press room. I mean, how surprised? I mean, because I'll just be honest. I mean, I've covered USC since uh, Paul Hackett was the coach back in uh, 2001. That that never happened. Have I never covered a USC game and not one player has talked to the media? What was um, the reaction in the press conference room? Yeah, so right after the press conference, you know, normally right after the game, you know, it, it takes about a good 15 minutes uh, for some of the players to get, get back inside. And then they allow the media in about five, 10 minutes after that. This time around, surprisingly, they opened up the doors immediately. They allowed media to go ahead and have a seat. And I, everybody was surprised. So everyone walked in. Everyone was sitting down. Um, I was sitting right in the front row next to Shotgun, who was sitting right next to me. And once Lick and Riley came up, this is the second time so far this season that he comes in first by himself thinking that, okay, players are going to follow up. Um, because the first time he had something to say, he didn't want the players to be involved during uh, his uh, conversation with the media. Um, we were expecting the players to come on in, but then Riley kept going and going and going, and he typically goes in for a good, you know, eight, 10 minutes. This time he went for about 13, 15 minutes in. Um, then right after he finished talking, uh, the PR director, she just mentioned, hey, media, uh, that'll be it for today. No players will be allowed um, tonight. And she walked out the building. Every single member in that room from the top to the bottom were just in shock. Um, there was a lot of words being said <laughs> that maybe I cannot repeat on here, <laughs> um, but people were upset about it. And one thing that I've noticed so far in the progression of, of the media all throughout the season, of course, there was that incident where, you know, they mentioned USC suspended a beat writer, from, which was Luca. Uh, who came in and he apparently did something that got him suspended. Then all season long, prior to this loss to Notre Dame, media sessions and practice sessions were allowed for a good period of time, a good 15-minute session to let us come in, observe everything, they'll you know put us back out, and they'll bring us back in. Last week, after the Notre Dame loss, they literally only gave us about three minutes inside and they told us, hey, guys, get get your content ready and we're we're going we're moving quickly today. And that was like a hundred. Like it was literally three, four minutes and they booted everybody out both days during a weekend practice. And they just said, hey, we got to keep it short these two days. And some media members, again, is, you know, they said some things. Um, and, you know, we of course, we got to. Uh, go through what the rules are with USC at the moment. But for some reason, it just seems like after the loss and in another loss, they're holding the media back for more access. And, you know, whether that's their decision, they are capable of doing what they got to do. But, you know, it is uh, it is a little unfair right now. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of concerning, Fredo, just because when these guys, and obviously not all of them are going to be transitioning over to the NFL, but when they do transition over to the NFL, it is mandatory for them to speak to the media. Good times and bad, guys, you're going to have to talk to them. Um, granted, you can build Belichick it, right, onto Cincinnati and, and whatnot, but at the same time, they're still going to have to prepare for this. How is this really helping them and preparing them? Um, I don't see it helping them and preparing them. Um, do you think that maybe SC is coddling them a little bit? 
No, I, I mean, yeah, it's it's um they they gotta go ahead and do something to. I mean, I hope today today, uh, being at practice today is is definitely gonna be a different look and see how they're gonna go ahead and treat the sessions now after another loss. But it is something that Lincoln Riley, I'm guessing he is the head guy who makes a lot of those decisions of who's gonna be available and who's not and. They, they got to make sure they prepare these kids moving forward. Um, you know, there is certain certain guys that we've spoken to that are very well-spoken, uh, very good um, people who just, they they know how to treat the media well. I mean, I one of the guys that I always, I, I love him is Zachariah Branch. Zachariah Branch, he is a professional as, as any other freshman can be. He, he greets the media every day at practice. He comes over, talks to us. Um, I've, I mean, I've been involved through some teams, but just seeing a player like that, I just feel like as a freshman, he's well prepared for the next, for the next uh, step in his in his career. But you know, USC does really need to see how they can change the narrative of what the whole media session and controlling everything, how everything's going right now. It's just like it's been changing over the last few weeks. I can say. Yeah, that's just, you know, it's disheartening because when you're a team in Los Angeles, you can't do that. And I, um, I know a lot of fans out there say that they don't care. At the end of the day, you know, certainly what we try to do at the Sporting Tribune, uh, you know, and what Fredo does such a great job of, like, he tries to take you to practice with him. So he's showing you highlights. He's showing you Caleb walking into the practice, what he's doing. He's, he's talking to coach, uh, you know, and the players. And, and if you don't have that access, uh, folks, like, like you, you could just go off of what the team tells you and that's fine. But I, I think that there's value in talking to Caleb once a game is done, finding out how he's feeling, finding out what's going on with the uh, team. I've been a little surprised. Uh, about the some fans pushback, like the, the players don't need to talk after a loss. Well, you know, I mean, listen, if you just want to watch the game and turn it off and not hear the coaches talk about a, a certain play call and not players to, to talk about certain plays, that's fine. I mean, that's not the way I've always loved to consume sports. I, I, I like, um, you know, players and coaches talking about the games. Speaking of another team um, that you cover and follow that is not – uh, doing so great right now, uh, Fredo, the uh, Chargers. Um, listen, that, listen. I, I, it would have been a heck of a thing if they turned around their season by going to Kansas City and beating the uh, defending uh, champions and the favors perhaps to do it again this year. But, man, they're in such a tough spot right now, and I, and I think we're in agreement that they're not going to make an in-season coaching change. But the way things are going, um, they could do something that would totally surprise us. Um, your thoughts on the Chargers? Yeah, I mean, coming into this game in Kansas City on Sunday, it seemed like the perfect picture game for the LA Chargers. You try to turn their season around and try to move into a possibly three and three, right at five hundred. Reevaluate the the first few weeks of the season and try to move forward, uh, especially with the quarterback like Justin Herbert. But they were always, I mean, I, you, you know, this, it, the San Diego, you can say the San Diego era of the chargers has always been disappointing. And even the LA era so far, which has only been about five, six years, but they're always in it. And then they let it slip away at the end. I mean, exactly what just went on in this game. But one of the most um, interesting parts was like, okay, you go, 
you go scoreless in the second half of the game, and which it's another problem. This is the second time this season they go scoreless in the second half, which is, I mean, if you can't score points in the second half, you're not going to win any game at all. I mean, unless you got one of the best defenses um, of all time, which they clearly don't have right now. Um, and it's looking like more last week when I was on the show talking about, hey, Justin Herbert needs to take that step and he really needs to, you know, be that man who is, you know, carrying a $260 million paycheck uh, throughout his next five years right now. And he's certainly not doing that. He's those two interceptions. He he's been a little off this season. You in the previous years, he has taken care of the ball pretty well. He's never dealt with this interception kind of thing this year. So is it a new um, coach which uh, Kellen Moore, the new offensive coordinator, is it a little changes that maybe they're not communicating on the same page and he's kind of, because that last pick he threw uh, was just a bad throw. A uh, bad throw, a uh, great play by the defense of the Kansas City Chiefs to kind of secure that victory there. But little things like that need to go ahead and get tying up. Yes, I don't see the Chargers making the playoffs right now at a 2-4. and four. Uh, They do got the Chicago Bears at SoFi this upcoming Sunday for Sunday Night Football. So hopefully they can take that victory ahead. The Chicago Bears, they stole one from the Las Vegas Raiders <laughs> last week, too. So uh, I, hope, I hope they don't come into SoFi and try to steal one from the division as well. But, I mean, Brandon Staley, I don't. I mean, I, 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 I'm lost of words when I, when I hear his name right now. Yeah, and, it, and it's so sad because I do think Brandon Staley is a fantastic coach. Um, he's a good guy. I, I had a chance to sit down with him prior to the season. And um, listen, he's someone who will be a defensive coordinator in the league next year. And I do believe he'll get another chance. It's something about this, this Chargers team. And I do believe, and we talked about this yesterday, um, Tom Telesco, listen, he has survived three coaches who had two good seasons, two bad seasons, two good seasons, two bad seasons. Um, I don't know if he'll be allowed the opportunity to hire another head coach who will have perhaps two good seasons, two, two bad seasons. So we'll see how all that plays out. Uh, Fredo, uh, great job with the Trojans under tough conditions, my friend. Uh, we'll be following your uh, coverage. Let's leave it there for now. When we come back, we'll be joined by Lauren Jones of the Sporting Tribune when we come back right here on the Mightier 1090 in Southern California, the Bet in Las Vegas on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big. We go all night. And here, everyone is invited to get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. Um, a lot to get into today. Before we do that, uh, Jihei, wanted to get your... Uh, 
thoughts on a, a couple of things. Um, what have you uh, have you been watching the playoffs? By the way, at any time Houston is now playing in the World Series, that's a good thing. So at the very least, the Texas Rangers are going to the World Series, my friend. Yeah, I mean, it's very exciting, actually. And they've been playing some amazing, amazing baseball. So I'm, I'm super psyched. And uh, obviously, as a Dodger fan, yeah, like Houston. So um, I'm very happy with this. Um, looking forward to game seven tonight as well, though. So yeah. everybody else is um, with, with the Phillies. Um, I always put my bets out on blast there. So um, I need Philly to win. So I know, oh. <laughs> I'm, I know I'm going against the grain as a Dodger fan and not everybody likes the Phillies when you're a Dodger fan, but um, I just, I, I just need them to make the world series. I don't need I them to see. win the world series. I just need them to make the world series. So I'm um, right. definitely excited for that. And yeah, playoff basketball, playoff basketball, playoff baseball. <laughs> it's, this is why October is so great. Right. Yeah. This is why I think a lot of us really enjoy um, and probably only tune in during October. So um, the, some exciting baseball being being had. It's the best month in uh, the, the sports calendar, I think. All right. With that said, let's head out to the Circa Sports Yes Hotline. And joining us now for the Sporting Tribune, Lauren Jones. Lauren, how are you doing? I'm doing better, Rosh. You know, I've been down bad with this, this cold know. that's going around. And you can probably still hear it a bit. But <laughs> hanging in there, I'm trying to rally, you know, before we have the, the Lakers home opener on, on Thursday. So that's right. I'm doing better than I was. <laughs> All right. So listen, you know, big time here in uh, sports where it's the beginning beginning of the National Basketball Association season. Uh, it begins tonight. The Lakers head to Denver. Uh, of course, these scheduled planners always try uh, these kind of fun things where the Lakers are going to mm -hmm. be in Denver as the Nuggets unveil their championship banner, get their rings, all that good stuff. My assumption is the Lakers will be back in the locker room when that's happening. But listen, the, the, you know, we, we have a little bit of a rivalry going uh, here. Uh, you know, they, they played each other in the Western Conference Finals. There was some chirping going on. Uh, Lauren, uh, listen, it's a long season, but your thoughts on this first matchup tonight. Um, listen, at the end of the day, if the Lakers want to win the championship this season, they're going to get, uh, they're going to have to get past the defending champions. Uh, your thoughts on, uh, the first game of the season. Yeah, Arash, I think, you know, the, the Lakers in the, in practice, uh, leading up to this game have been, uh, uh very subtle and, um, very humble about, you know, not feeding into the chatter and not feeding into um, the, the back and forth that's been going on, especially from, um, you know, the Nuggets being able to have some bragging rights. I think this is probably their first time ever being able to do so. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I think Darvin Ham put it uh, very well in saying, you know, this is a team uh, in terms of the Lakers referencing the Lakers that is made up of champions. You know, uh, we have them on the coaching staff. We have them on, you know, our roster and we've been here before. And so, uh, you know, kudos to them, but we're not really paying too much attention or putting too much stock in. I think D'Angelo Russell said, quote unquote, who cares? Um, and so, <laughs> you know, I think that the Lakers are, are, are really, they may not say it uh, overtly. I think that they want to get this win in Denver. I think they want to spoil, you know, the Nuggets ring ceremony and kind of put that chatter to bed to start the season off and, and really set the tone, um, you know, set the foundation early. So, uh, it's going to be a great game. Uh, really excited now that we, you know, know who the starting five are. 
that, you know, there's, um, this is the first home away game rather of the season. And, uh, you know, preseason was, you know, a good testament to being able to see what, what the Lakers have in terms of personnel and things, but this is now regular season basketball. And there's a lot of implications on the line for, you know, trying to make it to championship 18. So it'll be a good one. What has stuck out to you about this team during the course of training camp in the preseason? Uh, you've, you've covered a couple games. You've been at a, a lot of the practices. Uh, I think a, a lot of fans are obviously very excited that they brought the core, core group back. But well, what has stuck out to you so far? Yeah, I think that um, the camaraderie and chemistry is apparent. And I think it has a lot to do with this returning group um, with, you know, a few sprinkled in new additions and acquisitions. But uh, I think also what has stood out to me is just the, the confidence and um, the, the fact that you, you kind of walk in and practice and see that, you know, these guys really like each other, but they're also extremely focused. And um, from the top down, uh, you know, starting with Darvin Ham and LeBron and AD, I think, you know, it's been interesting to see just the, the um, intensity of these guys at practice. It's, it's very, it feels... Um, while it's, you know, fun and you got kind of get to see them off the court going to, you know, play playing a casino night at, you know, in Vegas or whatever have you like that you see that that off the seat, off the court rather camaraderie, but then you also see the focus and intensity and, and intention and discipline when they're at practice um, from you know, everybody is is kind of stating the same kind of message. They all kind of have the same um, you know, kind of uh, demeanor, and it's and it's a it's a you know we have a goal in mind, and and we're not letting anybody you know kind of distract us from that overall goal. But you know that they still really do seem to gel well and and really enjoy hanging out with each other out, off the court. You know, there's a big opening night game again. You know, first game of the season, but then the home opener is very intriguing as well. As you look at the Western Conference, according to Circus Sports, uh, the favorite is right now sort of like there's there's sort of like a logjam, I guess. It's the Phoenix mm-hmm. Suns, it's the Denver Nuggets, the Lakers, and the Warriors are kind of connected. Your thoughts on who's going to come from the West? Yeah, you know, Arash, I think it it'll be interesting to see because there's so many um, changes that have happened. Um, with a lot of these teams, I mean, even though Denver still has, you know, obviously Jokic and, and Jamal Murray as, as their core, you know, they made a couple changes in the offseason. Similarly, the Suns obviously added in Bradley Bill. He won't be playing in their, um, you know, NBA season opener, but he um, potentially will play against the Lakers. So I think it's, it's going to be interesting to watch and see how, how these teams kind of come together. But I do believe that um, the Lakers have what it takes to come out of the West. I think it's just a matter of time before, you know, we kind of see what, what everybody's kind of made of and get these first few games out the way, in, in a sense. Yeah, I want to switch over, Lauren, really quick to uh, college football. Um, just, mm-hmm. just really quick in the demise of how fast. Oh, no, demise not the demise. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, man. Like it's it's been rough. Let's just uh, how about that? Yes. I'll just I'll just say it that way. It's been it's been rough, right? For SC, it has. It, it's mm-hmm. been it's been an uphill battle. Um, <laughs> the offense that we thought was going to be so dominant and we weren't really worried about now is, um, at least to me, coming to be a bit of a concern. What are your thoughts on that? 
Oh, yeah. I mean, we already knew that the defense um, was, like I said, I think uh, the last time we spoke, not gonna, couldn't even block me. But um, now the offense has been really exposed. And I think when they started off the season and were putting up 30-plus points, excuse me, 30-plus points, you know, per game, it was like, okay, you know, we know what the offense is made up of. And, and, and the, the strategy is you just have to score more points. But now that the offense has struggled so mightily, um, you know, like the offensive line has not looked good. Um, Caleb has looked like he's under the most stress. Like it's like finals week every week, you know, it's just really not a good look. And so, um, like you said, I mean, demise, I, I laughed at it, but like demise is probably the right term to use. Right. It's like, it's, it is like the dumpster fire that's like caught fire. And then it's just like, it's still burning, you know? And, and, I don't know when the bleeding is going to stop, but, um, you know, obviously in a, in a normal situation, only two losses in it, you know, thus far it wouldn't be, you know, like the end of the world, but because of the implications and the expectations that this team had starting out the season, it's, you know, it's like the college football playoffs is pretty much out the window. Um, but also just, you know, the, they don't look like they look like a shell of themselves. So, you know, it kind of looks like a fluke through the first few weeks of the season that they, they were so dominant. Um, and I don't know. Well, I don't know. I'm curious to know what you think, Arash, about this. Yeah, uh, yeah. This. You know, the problem that I have with this team, and you hit the nail right on the head. Defensively, I, I, I knew they weren't going to be as good as we wanted them to be. I mean, following the way that the season came to a close in the Pac-12 championship game with the loss at Utah, and then the way that they performed against Tulane in the Cotton Bowl. Uh, shocked that they didn't make full-scale changes on the defensive end with Grinch as the coordinator. So you knew you were kind of coming into the season with a defense that was going to give up a ton of points. The surprise has been over the past couple of weeks that offensively they have not been able to put up the points to at least, you know, uh, compete. So that's that's been a, my biggest problem. The regression has been an issue. And again, it, they, they, they were lucky that they beat U of A. So, I mean, yes. you know, so it's like, I mean, they really could be on a three-game losing streak right, right now. Thankfully, you know, triple overtime at the Coliseum. They were able to come back and win that game. But, you know, getting blown out in South Bend, losing to Utah, which I just stings so badly because this wasn't one of those games where they let sneak up on them. This was a team that... um you know, really ruined your hopes for a dream season. You know, they, they ruined your chance for the, for the perfect season during the regular season. They beat you in the Pac-12 championship game. You circled this game on your calendar and you still, even then, couldn't beat them at your own home. Uh, Lauren, what, again, I've been surprised by the reaction of some fans here. I think it's embarrassing. I, I think you're really not holding the players accountable. I think it's so important for Caleb, um, and the other players, Following the loss, <clears throat> excuse me, to address the media. I mean, I've been covering this team for 20 years. I've never mm -hmm. seen a team uh, not address the media following a game. There's some fans out there who don't think it's important. I, I don't get that. I know I'm a part of the media, but it's not about us. It's about being held accountable. It's about yes. talking about it. So your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think, Arash, uh, we also kind of saw that um, during the WNBA finals. Yeah. You know, uh, some of the players electing not to speak um, from the New York Liberty after the game, uh, after losing, you know, to the Aces. And I think 
Uh, like you said, I think that that's a cop out. I don't care what team it is. I think, you know, it, it is part of, you know, just the tradition. And, and also like, it, like, you know, once, once there, there's a level of protection of, of players to not even have to, like you said, be held accountable, there's no real, you know, opportunity for growth, in my opinion, um, when it comes to, like, okay, you get to a bigger stage, you know, like, I mean, obviously for the WME, that's, that is the biggest stage, but like, you get to a bigger stage, you get to the Olympics, let's say, or whatever have you, like, you, you have to, like, you know, when you, when you, I guess what it is, is that with great uh, power comes great responsibility, right? Um, You really have to um, hold yourself accountable. Um, And I I don't understand really what the thinking is there, because it's only gonna, you know, I mean, I feel like if you have if you listen to what, you know, players have to say, then it might lighten the load from, you know, the the backlash that they would get from fans and or from other fellow media or, um, you know, um, analysts, you know, the week following. So uh, I'm not really understanding what the what the thinking was there, but I do agree with you, Raj. I think it's, it's important that, um, you know, players are had held accountable when they do well. You know, they want the praise. When they don't, you know, they lay an egg. They have to, um, you know, answer for that as well. By the way, like this is not New York. Like there, 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 there's <clears> no like, you know, columnist out there who's going to be like uh, putting a, the coaches or players in a tough spot. Just you know, but right. you, you have to, um, you have to talk. I mean, just again, I mean, I, I go back to covering Matt Liner and Reggie Bush, mm-hmm. and after they lost to Texas in the Rose Bowl, they they were done with college at that point. They said yeah. to the media once that uh, game was done. So, um, listen, I, I think it's an important part of growth, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see how things change. I mean, they obviously have not. Lincoln Riley does not do his normal show on Monday night. Caleb Williams <coughs> did not record his podcast on Monday. So, anyway, we'll, 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 we'll see the next time they talk to the media. Uh, Lauren switching gears to another uh, team that's kind of been struggling, although they could have won the Rams at the uh, at SoFi Stadium against uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. By the way, egregious call by the official that uh, that was not not a first down. Uh, should find a way to review that. I mean, just with your plain sight, you could see that. But listen, that being said, um, your mm-hmm. thoughts on the Rams again? No, no one really thought that this was a playoff team coming into the season. However, they they played well. Could have found a way to beat Pittsburgh. Your thoughts on? where the Rams sit right now. Yeah, I think they just keep banging their head against that same um, wall week after week, you know, with the exception of the Cardinals game, which, of course, the Cardinals, I think, at that point were 1-5 uh, or 1-6. and six, So um, it's really, it, it's to me, frustrating to watch because they're so close in all of these games, especially games against, um, competitive teams, and when they don't necessarily have the home uh, field advantage that from the eye test being at, um, you know, SoFi Stadium that they should. I mean, the overwhelming majority of the games in which they've lost and, and really had an opportunity to win against big teams, the 49ers, the Eagles, and uh, now the Steelers, which are the ones that stand out to me, um, you know, they were in the game, you know, and it came down to, um, you know, either a field goal or, you know, a miss in, in this last game against the Steelers, you know, 
I think Brett Meyer having a str- really struggling. Um, he missed two field goals and the PAT. But that, by the way, know, Lauren, he uh, he got cut today. I don't know if you saw that. He got cut today. Oh, yeah. Well, so, Rosh, <laughs> I've, been, I've been in Lakers mode all the I know. Wow. I mean, that, I mean, and, and there is no real... I mean, you have one job, right, as a kicker. It's not like, you know, you're having to do a good ton of things. I mean, it, it, I feel like when, when you botch games like that, it, it, it unfortunately, it, they're held to a, a higher standard than some other players that, you know, may be able to, uh, you know, wiggle their way in or, or you know, uh, but, but because it's so glaring and everything, the like, eyes are all on them for those um Moments I kind of felt when Sean McVay in the uh, post game press conference said, you know, that's unacceptable that there was going to be, you know, some changes made. But, um, you know, good luck to him. I think leading up to this <laughs> point, he did have, you know, a pretty solid season for them. Yeah. So, um, but, but, you know, uh, it's a cutthroat industry. It and, is. You know, um, next man up and, we shall see how, how things shake out. But I do have hope for the Rams. I think they're going to go on the road, you know, for the next two games. Um, and so, you know, Green Bay and um, I, I, it's escaping me the, the game that they have this upcoming week. But, it, you know, I think it's going to be, um, you know, an opportunity for them to just put together two wins in a row. <laughs> like, I know. You know hey, but, so for the by the way, it, it doesn't get any easier against the Cowboys. I'm not just saying that because obviously I, I root for the Cowboys, but it's going to be, it's going to be a tough one. GA. Yeah, no, I, I, I couldn't agree with you guys more. I mean, it's just an uphill battle, but at the same time, the Rams are, I think further along than when, what anybody else thought they I would agree. possibly be this season. So, you know, y- you know, dropping your kicker and all that stuff, like it is what it is. You got to do what you got to do. I get it. But they're, for me, they're along a lot further along than I think anybody ever thought they would. That being said, um, it's obviously going to be an away game every time that, you know, the home team comes into SoFi. Um, I'm wondering, is any of that ever going to change? Can we talk about that and that that possibility of this possibly changing? I'll chime in real quick. Pittsburgh is extremely unique. I was at the Vegas game where Pittsburgh took over. I I think Pittsburgh is is one of those uh, teams that just, uh, you know, not only travels well, I just think that they have fans around the country. I keep going back to this. Uh, and Lord, I'll, we're about to close out, but we, we didn't have a team here for 21 years. So it's going to take that long, uh, to have a new generation of fans growing up with the team. Lauren, you grew up here. Uh, I, I just think it takes time. Thousand percent, Rosh. And like you said, the Steelers are an anomaly. Not only do they travel, but they travel in droves. So yeah, yeah. I think that that's, that's, yeah, one of those things. You know, because here's the thing. When we got football back here, I I said, listen, the fan base who is here, who've been fans for the past 20 plus years, they're not going to not root for their team. You know, G. A. Wiley is not going to stop rooting for the New York Giants. I'm going to not stop rooting for the Cowboys. Now, what what could happen is, you know, the local team becomes our secondary team. Um, The other problem is, and I've been surprised by this. Is that the Rams have really done everything that you possibly could? Because I, I, I said when when football came back here, <laughs> yes. you had to have some success. They've been to the Super Bowl twice. They've not only won the Super Bowl, they won it in Los Angeles. That being said, we have hardcore pro football fans here, and you're not gonna yes. like, 
leave your team to become a, a Chargers fan or a Rams fan. GA, I do think it happens. I do think it's going to take the kid growing up with his Puka Nakua uh, jersey, and he's going to grow <laughs> up to be like a Rams fan. I don't think the 35-year-old fan is going to take off his you know current jersey and become a uh, Puka fan. Uh, Lauren, you're the best. We'll be uh, checking in with you throughout the season, of course, as the season begins for the Lakers. That's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Marcaz. He's saying stay safe and stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.